Binding Offer, Part 7 Conclusion Opinion, Case Law, Business Rescue The effect of the judgment of the Kariba, SCA decision may be viewed as watering down the ability to force the plan on dissenting creditors and is, in the author's view, directly in conflict with the true intention of Section 153-1b, 2. It is submitted that as a result of the finding in Kariba, SCA, the offeree would be in a position to determine if the offer that is made to buy out its voting interest is acceptable or falls to be rejected. In practice, it is submitted, a negotiation will take place between the offerer and the offeree to determine a fair price for such voting interest. However, if the offeree becomes difficult, the offerer will not be in a position to force the offeree to accept the offer, thus being unable to force the plan on the dissenting creditor. It is submitted that the SCI's ruling has made significant inroads into the binding offer principle. As stated by Judge Catherine Settelone in Kariba, GNP, the purpose of Section 153-1b, 2, is to provide a swift and efficient procedure to revive a business rescue procedure after the rejection of a business rescue plan. The offeree is in any event protected as, if the value of the voting interest is fairly determined by an independent expert, such offeree would in reality not receive anything less than it would have received in the event of the company ending up in a liquidation. Whether the process as envisaged by Section 153-1d, 2, was intended to be a consensual process, rather than a forced sale, remains unclear. If a consensual process was intended, there is the counter-argument that it would appear to be unthinkable that a creditor, especially a concurrent creditor, would accept an offer for a claim in an amount that the creditor would in any case receive in a winding up. It is the author's view that there must be an end game. A creditor who would be willing to support a rejection of a workable proposed plan, by voting against a plan, where clearly other creditors, supportive of the plan, would be willing to make the effort to buy up such dissenting voting interests in order to ensure that the plan is voted through, must be forced to sell at a liquidation value price i.e., that which such creditor would be willing to accept if the company had to go into liquidation. In order to prevent holdout creditors from holding other supporting creditors to ransom, it is submitted that the Kariba, GNP, judgment of Judge Catherine Settelone, approach should be favoured. That is, once a binding offer is made in terms of Section 153-1b, 2, it will have the effect of binding both the offerer and the offeree. Once made, the opposing or dissenting creditor must be forced to sell its voting interest to the offerer on the terms proposed in the offer. Any dispute on the price, by either the offerer or the offeree, determined for such voting interest should be dealt with by the expert determination provided for in Section 153-6. It is further submitted that the only way practitioners, creditors, lawyers and our courts will reach a position where they can definitively determine the meaning of a binding offer will be where the legislature formulates, by an amendment to Section 128-1 of Chapter 6, an appropriate definition of the term binding offer as set out in Section 153-1b, 2. It is suggested that a new definition be inserted to define a binding offer to mean an offer put forward by an offerer for the voting interests of the offeree where, once submitted, is binding on both the offerer and the offeree in terms of such sale transaction. The ability for an independent person to review the value remains in place, 
and is a safeguard for unfair or unreasonable values of voting interests having been determined. Any other interpretation renders the binding offer provision set out in section 153.3.1b, 2, meaningless and disables viable plans from being approved, as a result of the potentially unconscionable conduct of opposing, holdout creditors.74. What of course is not of assistance, is the shoddy drafting of the legislation, section 153, which gives rise to considerable uncertainty. Amendments to the section, as proposed by Judge Leach in the concurring judgment in Kariba, SCA, including whether the offeree has a period of time in which to consider whether to accept or reject an offer. The effect of an offer being rejected, whether an offer can be conditional and which conditions would be permissible. Whether an offer excludes the making of a counteroffer or any other offers being made by other affected persons and, if not, how offers are to be ranked. As stated by Laubser, it was regrettable that the drafters of the provisions regulating the new rescue procedures did not exercise more care, and that the unclear, confusing and sometimes alarming provisions regulating the business rescue proceedings, will certainly not assist in making the procedure more acceptable or successful. The binding offer principle is a strong feature of restructuring mechanisms in international jurisdictions, and the South African legislature, in the author's view, recognized this as an essential feature of the rescue legislation. It is submitted that the binding offer principle ensures that viable plans are ultimately pushed through by the provisions of section 153.1b, 2. The requirement that dissenting creditors, even if in the majority, should be forced to sell their voting interests at liquidation value, is aligned to the principles of rescue, and as is set out in Section 7K of the 2008 Companies Act. If as a result of the rejection of the plan, the company is facing liquidation, the legislature remains supportive of the notion that the company should survive, jobs retained and the company continue to contribute to the South African economy. International principles of rescue and restructuring support forcing dissenting creditors who voted against the plan to be placed into a position where they are forced to sell at liquidation value to those creditors who wish to vote in favor of the proposed plan. According to the SCI's recent finding in Kariba, SCA, the offeree will now be in an enviable position whereby it can negotiate the liquidation value and price at which such offeree will sell to the offerer. It is clear that the binding offer principle, together with the principle set out in section 154.1, creates the ability to ensure that a plan, and its terms, become binding on all creditors in business rescue. There must be a point reached where those creditors who disapprove of the plan, and who would prefer the company to be placed into liquidation, be forced to give up their voting interest at liquidation value. If such creditor is willing to take the minimal liquidation value in respect of a payout on its claim, then such a creditor must be prepared to walk away, having had its voting interest purchased from it at the same or similar value. The legislature provides the opportunity to make the binding offer available to any affected persons, or a combination thereof. The term binding, in the author's view, must be interpreted as being binding on both the offerer, as well as the offeree. To interpret such wording in any contrary manner, would not do justification to the obvious result that would be expected from the South African rescue process, namely the acceptance of a workable plan designed to rehabilitate the company and place it back into the South African economy. Holdout creditors, shareholders, 
are recognized internationally as parties who cannot be allowed to hold other creditors, shareholders, to ransom and allow the company to collapse into liquidation. It is submitted that the binding offer principle is aimed at preventing a scorched earth philosophy. Dissenting creditors and shareholders must be placed in a position where they are forced to sell their voting interest to the general body of creditors, shareholders, who support voting in favor of the plan and for the plan to be implemented. The Kariba, SCA, judgment, unfortunately, does not assist with the imposition of this principle. Dissenting creditors are placed in a favorable position where they have the opportunity to negotiate the terms of such buyout. The ability to submit a binding offer, as intended by the legislature, has thus been watered down, and will result in challenges to the successful implementation of the binding offer principle in business rescue proceedings in the future. The mandatory contractual argument, as envisaged by Kariba, GNP, would, in the author's view, clearly support the purpose of business rescue, namely ensuring that the company is rescued by the approval of a workable and viable plan. It is however conceded that the wording of the section does not necessarily make this position clear, and thus an amendment is necessary. It is submitted that the Kariba, SCA, judgment has provided dissenting creditors with the poison pill, designed to discourage a hostile takeover of a voting interest, and has provided dissenting creditors with the opportunity to vote down the plan, with no further opportunity for an effective binding offer mechanism. It is further submitted that this could never have been the intention of the legislature in the formulation of section 153. Thus, it is highly recommended that when the provisions of chapter 6 are considered for legislative amendment, the proposals set out above are seriously considered and implemented. As a result, certainty of the binding offer mechanism will create a definitive and properly considered approach when dealing with holdout creditors in a business rescue.